You're listening to Legal Skies, a podcast by the Law Society of Saskatchewan. This is Season 2, Episode 4. I'm Julie Shabawali, Communications Specialist at the Law Society of Saskatchewan. Today we're talking about negotiations with Marty Latz, an author, international speaker, and founder of Latz Negotiations. So what exactly makes a person a good negotiator? Well, Mr. Latz received his law and negotiation training at Harvard Law School, where he graduated cum laude, and was a teaching fellow at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, where one of his students was former President Barack Obama. He will be teaching a negotiation seminar here in Saskatoon on Thursday, March 26, which will be live-streamed and qualified for six CPD hours. Marty, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, so my first question is, um, as somebody who's been working in negotiations for a long time, what is the number one mistake that people make when they're negotiating? The number one mistake uh, most people make when negotiating is to negotiate instinctively or intuitively to just sort of wing it and do it off the cuff. One of the things we know in the negotiation world uh, these days is that there's been a lot of great research in the last 40 or so years. And we basically now know there is a right way to negotiate and there is a wrong way to negotiate. And what I'm going to be teaching in our upcoming program is really not only giving people an idea as to what the research says, but giving them an opportunity to put it into practice. It's one thing to understand this stuff in your head. It's another thing to actually implement it. And if you don't know it and implement it, you're going to revert back to negotiating the way we've all negotiated almost our entire lives. Since we were about, uh, you know, two feet tall, negotiating with our parents, working uh, them off against each other. What I teach, what we're going to talk about is changing that behavior from instinctive or intuitive to strategic based on the expert's proven research. And the biggest mistake, as I said, that we do is we just wing it. Telephone rings, we pick up the phone, it's our counterpart, whether it's a legal settlement, whether it's a transaction, uh, whether it's our business or legal partner, we just jump right in without really thinking through what works, what doesn't work, and how can we most effectively engage in the process to accomplish our goals and objectives. So you mentioned um, that there's negotiating intuitively, instinctively. So what exactly are are the things that we naturally do that perhaps would be the wrong way to negotiate? Well, probably the biggest thing that a lot of lawyers, and especially young lawyers, do wrong is they perceive the negotiation process to be about convincing, persuading, getting the other side to accept your settlement proposal, your term, your condition. Uh, but isn't, that what, a, isn't as, that what a lawyer does? <laughs> Is it, you well, know, I'm, well, I'm representing my client and then I, I want them to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a certain, um, you know, resolution from my client. Is it when I want them to, to see it from my angle to persuade well, them? Well, yes, that is your goal. That is your objective. But you're not going to achieve that goal and objective in most cases by putting on your, I've got to persuade, I've got to convince, I've got to get them to accept what I want. You're going to be far more effective at accomplishing your goal and objective if you go in asking questions, getting information, finding out their interests, their needs. Then you can show them 
not convince them, not persuade them, but show them how it's in their interest to agree to what you want and your client wants in the first place. If you shift the mindset about the process, you're going to be much more likely to get a true win for your client, whether it's in the dispute area, whether it's in the transactional area. But if you change your focus and your mindset toward the process, you're going to be far more successful. So you mentioned how most lawyers, they get a phone call, they pick it up, and then they just go straight into it. So instead of going straight into it, what what is what are some of the techniques that you should be doing when you do get that phone call from opposing counsel? Well, in a lot of cases, you should simply uh, say, hey, I'm right in the middle of something. Can I call you back? But you've been uh, waiting for them to call want. you. Maybe they, <laughs> you know, you, you know what I mean, right? Like maybe sometimes you've you've been waiting for them to call you. And 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 uh, so you're saying don't don't pick up the phone right away. Well, or if you do pick up the phone, use it solely as an opportunity to get information about what they want. Okay. Because if you just sort of wing it straight from there, you're really not thinking strategically about it. And if you think about it, your counterpart who called you probably has spent a little bit of time thinking about what they want to mm-hmm. accomplish in that telephone call. So, you know, you really don't want to be reactive in that environment. Uh, Now, look, I mean, I understand that people, you know, they're not going to just tell everyone that calls them, let me call you back, right? If it deals with a settlement or an upcoming uh, issue, uh, you know, I get that. I'm very, very practical and I really want to give people skills and strategies and tactics that they can actually use. Um, But maybe what you do is you say, I tell you what, I'm right in the middle of something. Can you send me an email and let me know what you want to discuss? And then I'll have a chance to talk about it or discuss it with my client. I can come back to you and we can have a more efficient, effective call in which we can hash out some of these issues. Or maybe you say, let's have a telephone appointment. So at two o'clock on Friday, you know, we'll both be prepared to engage on the settlement issue or on the parameters of the confidentiality clause or on whether or not this uh, transaction really ought to have, uh, you know, uh, a mutual indemnification provision. So then you're prepared not only on the substance, but on the process. You know what you want to talk about, when you want to talk about it, how you want to talk about what moves you want to make in the negotiation. And you're not just doing it instinctively or off the cuff. Right. And and that sounds uh, very similar to what you were just mentioning before of how you want to prepare by listening to the other side and finding out, you know, what their needs are, collecting information. So you would be doing that before you you essentially go back and, and have that phone call again. Well, that's right. And, and if you think about it in an even broader context, what I recommend is that people actually develop a written strategic negotiation plan in advance of the overall negotiation uh, that lays out some of the strategies and tactics that you want to use. And I organize it around what I call the five golden rules of negotiation that takes advantage of all the great research that's been done in all the great institutions around the world in the negotiation field in the last 40, 45 years, essentially since uh, getting to yes. Uh, was first published in 1981 by my law school professor, Roger Fisher, and his colleague, Bill Urey, which is really the classic uh, in the industry, at, at least uh, for a few more years until my first book <laughs> has been out there a little bit longer. <laughs> yes, yes. And 
uh, and Getting to Yes is a, is a great book. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned um, throughout a, this conversation process and really preparing for negotiations. Uh, as lawyers, um, I would assume that lawyers are trained in law school to to have this type of process set out, right? Because in the courts, there's a there's a process. You you don't just automatically go to court. You have perhaps negotiations beforehand um, if you're doing contracts. So why do you think for some lawyers they haven't necessarily picked up on on you know having this process or you know getting the written strategic um, negotiation plan together? Well, I I, I I wish you were accurate and right in that all law schools taught negotiation. Uh, unfortunately, that is just not the case. Uh, a lot of law schools do teach negotiation. They teach alternative dispute resolution. Uh, the vast majority of law schools, however, do not require it. It's an elective. And in a lot of cases, uh, it is um, uh, taught, I would say, in a little bit of an ivory tower context. So you may get a lot of theory, uh, and you may get some really good practical tactics to use, but oftentimes you really don't walk out of law school with a very specific game plan and a very specific uh, way to actually implement what has been out there uh, for quite some time. In fact, law schools didn't even start to offer negotiation courses um, until really uh, the late 80s and, and early 90s. Um, so there's a lot of lawyers that have been practicing out there for some time that never had any formal exposure to the negotiation process, which is why I, you know, kudos to the Law Society of Saskatchewan for offering uh, this type of course, not only for some of the younger lawyers who maybe didn't get as much exposure to it as they wanted, but also for some of the more experienced lawyers who may have never uh, really studied it. I say in a lot of my programs, experience does not equal expertise. Just because you've been negotiating and just because you've been practicing law for a number of years doesn't mean that you're doing it in the right way, the most effective way on behalf of your clients. But those are some very key points there, uh, and especially about the education and experience. So at your seminar, will you be focusing then uh, what we've been talking about today, not only process, but going through the negotiations and then also what happens after the negotiation? I will. We'll be going through what I call the five golden rules of negotiation. And we'll be going back and forth between sharing the strategies and tactics and actually having folks in the program implement those within the context of a negotiation, a typical negotiation that they may be engaged in um, as practicing lawyers. So I'm really intensely focused on trying to provide skills and tactics that lawyers can actually use the day after my program because at the end of the day, if I don't change their behavior or at least move them toward a significant change in their behavior, I don't think I've succeeded in my job. Now, of course, they may be coming uh, to get their uh, CPD credits, and they're going to get those, yes, yes. and it's very important for them to get those, but I'm really focused on giving them something that they can take away and use, not only on behalf of their clients, of course, but if you think about negotiation broadly, we negotiate every, every day, whether it's with our spouse, our kids, or our legal counterparts. Uh, so you've been negotiating for a very long time. I can see in your bio here, including in the White House. So I would love to hear... 
what was your most surprising or funny moment that you had when you were in the middle of a negotiation? Hmm. The most surprising or funny moment I had uh, in the midst of a negotiation. Um, you know, that's a tough one. I do remember once I was uh, uh, doing some work, and, and I think about negotiation. Whenever two people are communicating with each other and they both uh, have interests that they want to satisfy, they're negotiating. So I think about it in a, in a very broad way. I think one of the most uh, uh, interesting things that I did was actually related to a negotiation uh, where I was more of an observer than a participant, but it was a negotiation uh, between the Canadian uh, uh, Mounted uh, Police and uh, the U.S. Secret Service, and it was a trip that uh, President Clinton uh, had made to visit the, uh, the Canadian Prime Minister, and there was an issue with regard to whether or not the U.S. Secret Service could carry their weapons uh, into some of the sites in, uh, in, I think it was Ottawa. And it was very interesting to see, uh, the U S secret service and the, and the MPs sort of negotiate over that because as you can, as, as I'm sure you can imagine, the secret service was not interested in, uh, going around with the president, uh, without their weapons. And yet the MPs were very adamant that they did not want those weapons there. Uh, and it was a very, uh, very tense environment, um, but uh, but they were able to work it out as as uh, you know they do in uh, in those diplomatic environments. And do you remember, uh, like you said, that it's that I can imagine that would be a very tense situation because we're talking about the security of two heads of state. So, um, what was the atmosphere like? Well, it was very, very uh, tense, uh, you know, and, and there were also, interestingly enough, there there were also some issues and challenges between those two entities that actually went back to a previous uh, trip and a previous administration uh, when uh, President, uh, then President Bush had visited. And uh, it, it really illustrates a very important negotiation point, which is if you have a future relationship with the other party, you always have to think about not just your immediate goal in terms of what may be on the table, but you need to think through the impact of your strategy and tactic on the second negotiation, which may be a year or two year or, or even more uh, down the road because people have long memories. And in this particular case, uh, uh, there was a little bit of payback involved in the negotiation based on what had happened, even though it was a previous administration in the U.S. Do you remember what they eventually decided to do? I believe they worked it out so the U.S. Secret Service could carry their weapons. I think everyone knew that that was going to be the ultimate resolution, but they had to make it difficult uh, because of some of the previous problems that had occurred on, on a previous trip. I'm curious what happened then when uh, former President Barack Obama went to Ottawa as well, because as you mentioned, uh, negotiations, you want to think about what happens in the future. Um, well, well, that's exactly yeah. right. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I worked uh, for the for the Clinton White House, although uh, President uh, Obama was a uh, was a classmate of mine uh, in law school. 
thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We are really looking forward to your seminar and learning about negotiations. Thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found the podcast informative and would love to hear your feedback, comments, or suggestions. You can contact us at podcast at lawsociety.sk.ca. Until the next episode, I leave you with an amusing quote by Shalom Al-Kim. Lawyers are just like physicians. What one says, the other contradicts.